right. We are live and we are back for a Rad Junk podcast, which we haven't done in two weeks. I'm Joe Alonzo. I'm joined by my wife, Sam. Hello. We have Rad Junk, Rad Bar, and Really Rad Weekend, a retro video game store, a an arcade bar, and a retro video game convention in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. How's it going? It's going. It's one o'clock in the morning as we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been, you know, two weeks since the last one, I guess. Yeah. Our, our kids have been sick and then we were sick and it's just been, uh, it's been a little chaotic, but we're here now. Yeah. It's been something, um, trying to get our live stream set up. So we have a VOD over on Twitch that way I can get to our show notes and we can get started. Um, we've also got a new, I think I mentioned it in the last stream or at least the last podcast or something. I don't know. One of the things that we did recently, oh my gosh, I have too many screens. Um, probably minimize this one. Oh my gosh. There's a cat uh, on the table. You're not part of this podcast. <laughs> podcast. Oh really, um, get down, get down. Working off. A new setup and some new stuff. So we're just going to go for it. Um, so yeah, the reason why we haven't done the podcast in a little bit is because not only have we been super busy, I ordered some new audio equipment to make this better, especially when we're operating with more than one person. Um, Cause I'm sure you guys were bored of just having me talk to you every single week. Um, so we ordered a new soundboard. We got a roadcaster, pro two. And then I had a shore MV seven mic and we ordered a couple more of those that way we can have Molly on as well. Um, and I just wanted the production quality be to be a little bit better while we do this stuff. And so we ordered all that and then it took a while to come in and, uh, there was a setup process that was involved. <laughs> Who's this ugly dude? Thanks B Ferg. Um, and we, it took a while to get set up. And then the biggest problem is I didn't order mic stands for the new mics because we had some and we can't find them anywhere. I had them at the shop and then we had them at the bar and I think we utilized them for the convention last year. And I just can't find the mics anywhere. I'm sure we'll find them in the next couple of days now that you ordered more because that's how that goes. Yeah, it never fails. We'll have mic stands forever. I love you too, B Ferg. Um, so yeah, we've got new audio equipment. Hopefully everything sounds and looks good. Uh, I also rigged up my, I used to be a photographer and I still buy cameras to overcompensate for stuff. Sam's like kicking stuff under the table I right now. Um, didn't mean to. And so I tried to up the video quality. So I figured out how to hook up my Nikon Z8 to make this work. So we're trying to get things on track to get this going. Um, but this is the weekly thing where we just talk about video games and things happening at the shop and everywhere else. So yeah, that's where we are. And then on top of that, we were sick. Our kid got sick and then we got sick. Everybody's been sick. 
Uh, been a fun two weeks of just, you know, dying a little. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been wild. It's, you know, it's starting to get cold here and it's pre Christmas. So the sickness is going around. It's 50 degrees here, which means it's winter. Yeah, exactly. We're in full, full winter. It's Florida winter. By my sweater and beanie. Um, But yeah. Um, yeah. I thought just you were leading into something. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Um, yeah, I'd be forgetting the chat. I remember that you were there. Um, this, this is, we, so for this particular thing, we don't pay attention to the Twitch chat a whole lot as we're doing a live recording to put on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube after the fact, but we are here for your viewing pleasure late at night. Um, and so, yeah, I've been sick. We've got the new audio gear set up. Um, let us know in the comments and stuff after the fact, how it sounds. I can see some like bleed over from my mic to Sam's. So that might be an issue, but we'll, we'll work through that. Um, but, in the meantime, lots of stuff happened. So we had trade night, which is our monthly swap meet at the shop. Um, and it was a slower one because it's pre Christmas. Historically, that one's always slow, but it was a good one. Um, lots of good stuff out there. Lots of people brought some really good games. We ended up with a couple good scores, but I saw some other people get some good stuff too. Um, and honestly, it was kind of nice to have a slower one. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, it's also coming off of really red weekend because we don't do a trade night in November. So, it, you know, it's, it's good though because we're coming up on the holidays and everyone's tired, but we got, we got a pretty good score. Yeah, we did. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen the real or the short uh, that has 20,000 views on Instagram. But uh, one of our trade night regulars, I walked past his table and I noticed some TurboGrafx stuff. And uh, another regular next to him saw that I was interested and pulled out a book of TurboGrafx games. So it was... Uh, a pretty good amount of stuff and um <laughs> there was some like games there were two games in there that i did not have in my turbo graphics collection which i have a pretty large turbo graphics collection one was time cruise which is a pinball game and i think the other one that i was on the fence about was space harrier but i think i did end up having that and uh, so I was looking through the book and I was asking him prices and he quoted me some pretty good numbers. And so I just asked him how much for the whole book. And uh, he said he wanted 400 for everything that was in the book. And it was every game was uh, card and manual only. And then he pulled out a Turbo Express that had been recapped. And for those that don't know, a Turbo Express is the handheld Turbo Graphics console that you can play your the same games that you play on your home console with the turbo express and they're notorious for having bad capacitors and they have to be recapped often. I have like 10 of them um, that I still need to fix. And so um, I asked him how much for everything and 
he said $800, which at first to me sounded a little high, but reasonable. Um, and I didn't really look anything up. I was going off of my like turbo graphics knowledge from like five years ago. Just to interject here, I always love during trade night when Joe comes over and he's like, hey, I'm about to spend a lot of money. On what? Yeah. There's a guy with turbo graphics stuff. And I'm like, oh, man. Because Joe's (laughs) a turbo graphics guy. So, you know, I know he's going to buy it no matter what it is. I'm like, God, all right. So um, (laughs) I do the deal. Everybody's happy. You know, I pay his asking price. Um, which the internet assumes based on the comments on the reel and whatnot that we gave this person like $40 like Ryan in the chat said. Um, however, we did not scum. I just straight up paid what he asked. And, uh, I come to find out there were some games in there that were a lot juicier than I expected. Did you know that Darkwing duck with the manual and card is like 400 bucks or something? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, we already sold it, but it, it was $400 that I put it at the store at, which like I was a little bit under, by the way, like on some eBay, eBay sold and listed. Um, that game used to be like 80 bucks. I think it, like max. And it, I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, you probably watched the angry video game nerd video on it. Like it's, it's unplayable. Like it's, it's really bad on the turbo graphics. Like it's, you know, it's fine on the NES, but like the turbo graphics version is bad. And maybe that's why it's so expensive. Cause of that video, I don't really know, but it went crazy in price at some point in time, I guess. Um, there was also a Bomberman 93 in there, which is like, I think that ended up being like $200. Yeah. That was a weird one to me because that game used to never be that high. Um, it's really weird how some of those games, I mean, they're good games. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't think some of them would go up in price the way that they did. And that was one of them. And it's, uh, kind of crazy to me, but, um, anyway, we bought the lot and there were a lot of other good games in there and it added up to a pretty good amount retail. We've already sold off quite a bit of them, especially the higher end stuff. Uh, the turbo express is still available. But Sam ended up, we ended up doing a reel for, uh, well, a short slash reel. So we film short videos for our YouTube channel. Uh, it's youtube.com slash radjunk. We also upload this there after the fact. But then our Instagram page, we upload reels to uh, usually the same thing. And that thing has like, as of right now, I want to say it's right at 20,000 views. And it's literally just me being like, look what we got a trade night and then flipping through the binder of turbo graphics games. And it's really funny because most of the comments are pretty like, oh, what is that? Or like, oh, that's cool. And then <laughs> and there's just a few that are like, somebody got ripped off. Like y'all paid $40 for this. I bet. Cause you're scummy. Yeah. It's legitimately like, at 20,000 views right now. Um, but it's, it's hilarious because people think that these deals walk in every day where it's like, we're getting little Samson's for a dollar like intentionally or something like, trust me, if we were, we'd be pretty good. Yeah. That would be great. I would love that. But um, it's not how it works. Yeah. got some good turbo graphic stuff. I got to keep time cruise. Um, 
Which, speaking of Turbo Graphics, the review embargo has been lifted on the Analog Duo, and I have not looked at any reviews for it yet because mine shipped yesterday or today. Um, pretty excited for it to get here. Um, I own every version of the Turbo Graphics 16 and PC Engine, legitimately, like every console. Um, I think all of them are complete in box except for the CD unit that I have. But um, the analog products to me are really nice. I like, you know, being able to just hook them up via HDMI. I've got the NES, I've got the Super Nintendo, I've got the Genesis, and we've got two analog pockets. Um, which one of those analog pockets we're probably going to give away on the YouTube channel. <laughs> so go subscribe at youtube.com slash radjunk. Shameless plug. Um, but I'm really excited about that because I like being able to play my games easily these days. Um, I'm surprised I haven't switched to like purely emulation at this point, <laughs> but there's something about being able to line your walls with cool stuff like behind us. But, um, we need to get some more shelves in here cause there's so much more stuff in the garage. God, there's a whole like wall in the garage just full of stuff. Not to mention this, there's a closet over here also full of stuff. We just, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, but overall trade night was good. We went to the bar after that, hung out for a little bit and went home cause we were all tired. We were all dead tired. <laughs> um, and then after that, this past weekend was Radder day, which is the four year anniversary of rad bar opening. Uh, we celebrate every year by doing an event called Radder Day. We choose the Saturday closest to the anniversary date, and we run some drink specials. And we, uh, you know, we party. We turn it into like an 80s and 90s night. <laughs> B. Ferg in the chat says, you sound dead tired or about to fall asleep. Yeah, we, we are. It's 1 a.m., and uh, <laughs> we had to run a bunch of errands today, and then, you know, we've got a toddler, so things are crazy. Um, and it's Christmas time and our son's birthday is in like two days, I guess tomorrow. No, technically tomorrow. Yeah. Technically tomorrow. It is, it is Wednesday. My dudes. Uh, (laughs) Um, but yeah, so we did ratter day, uh, pie face came out and slung some pizza. We had some tournaments. I thought it was a good time. The pinball tournaments went really well. Um, the Arkanoid tournament had a lot of people sign up, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I was kind of surprised. But, you know, I don't know. I think Arkanoid doesn't get enough love in the bar because it's hard. And so it does definitely take, like, a little bit of practice to be able to get the little knob, like, just right. Like, I, I don't know. It. I think people play it initially and they're like, ah, this game sucks. And then they never play it again. But got a lot of people on it. That was good. Yeah, that was solid. Um, I feel like there was another game that did surprisingly well that I can't remember which one it was. Miss um, Pac-Man always does good. I mean, a lot of people in her Foo Fighters. Yeah, the Foo Fighters tournament was good. Um, I tried to play, and I had some terrible, terrible first drops. Uh, I topped out in tournament play at $8 million. <laughs> I have the grand champion score on that machine and it's like 580 million. Um, that game's super fun. And, uh, yeah, 
which is weird. We were talking about it with another arcade owner today. That game doesn't get enough love because the game is so solid, but I think people are turned off by the theme a little bit because they just think Foo Fighters and they're like, oh, another music pin, even though it's it's not. It's, it's a whole it's really Saturday cool. morning cartoon based around the Foo Fighters. Well, I'm like, I don't know. I don't love the Foo Fighters, but they're they're pretty like inoffensive. Like I'm not I'm not gonna turn I'm not gonna turn it off if they come on, you know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think people are just like not excited about that theme. I guess. I don't know. Music pins I think are all just kinda like that. Yeah. That's Unless true. you just really love the band. You know? I don't know. Yeah, it's um I don't know. That game is really good. It's got cool shots, it's got good flow. So if you have a Foo Fighters pinball machine local to you, check it out. Give it a play. It's very like Attack on Mars vibe. Um, yeah, it's that's a good way to put it. Attack on Mars. Because, you know, the, the whole thing is like the Foo Fighters are going on tour, but they, they got to fight some aliens. You know, it's not, it's not really. I mean, it is Foo Fighters because there's Foo Fighters music, but like. It is, you know, it, it's very cartoony, like comic book esque, and you're just the Foo Fighters fighting aliens. It's yeah. silly. It's great. I love it. It's uh, one of the best pinball machines I've ever bought and played. Um, I really want to get a Pulp Fiction though. We won't go into pinball too deeply tonight because <laughs> we do that every week. It seems. I just really like pinball. Yeah. Um, got some new arcade games on the horizon that we're looking at. Had some talks today. We're you gonna, beat stays for now. We're going to build one, but that's, that's a surprise for later. Yeah. We've got something in the works that Sam had an idea for that. We've actually been talking about building for a while. Um, me and rich are going to try and build something relatively elaborate as far as the aesthetics go. Um, but the game should be cool and that'll be a surprise. So, That'll be a good one. In the next like month or two, hopefully we'll yeah, probably have time after, to get that done. After Christmas for sure. Yeah. Because Christmas time's coming up and Molly's going on vacation. So it's going to be me and Sam at the shop. It'll be a good time. Um, you might see some guest appearances from Kenna and Nate and maybe maybe Meg at the shop as well. Against their will. Yeah. <laughs> um, so outside of that, other stuff happened. I can't remember. We were trying to type up show notes and usually I do it throughout the week when we're not recording and save them. And I just did not do it this time because we were so busy trying to get all the audio stuff set up for the new thing. Um, I can't remember anything that's happened. Yeah. The, the past, past two weeks has been a blur. So uh, outside of that, the game awards happen, which, you know, say what you will about the game awards. And, uh, I always have a good time because I just like watching new stuff and seeing people get excited about video games. Um, but some things happened. So during the game awards, uh, Nintendo dropped 1080 snowboarding harvest moon and jet set or jet force Gemini on the Nintendo switch online service, which is cool. Um, I know that harvest moon, this will feed into a Q and a question that we got, but harvest moon on the 64 has been hovering around what? 50, $60 or is it more than that now um, for a cartridge? I think 
it was about 60 for a while. It's been a minute since we've gotten one in, but okay. it'll be interesting to see how this affects the prices. Cause it can go either way, which like I said, we'll dive into that, um, in a little bit, but 1080 is a good one for winter time for obvious reasons. And the game's solid. Uh, Jeff Force Gemini, I feel like is a really great game that doesn't get enough love. So that's a fun, like adventure shooter, if you will. I think we need to bring back snowboarding games. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the like late nineties, early two thousands. There were a ton of good ones. You know, you had like Ten Eighty. You had the SSX games. Amped. Amped. There were a bunch of good ones, and I I don't. What there's like what is it like steep or something like that? <laughs> steep actually is really bad. Yeah. Um, I tried to play it, and it was just not good. I played one called Shredders, I think. The other night, because I really like snowboarding games, and it was not, it wasn't bad, but the thing is, like, they're trying to turn snowboarding games into these, like, open world things that don't have much of a defined course, and they're almost, like, too open, and they build these weird missions that are, like, supposed to emulate, like, social media stuff. Um, I don't want to do that. That's not what I want out of a snowboarding game. Like, I just want to follow the path, do, you know, see how many points I can get or whatever, go to the different, you know, you can go in through the race modes or whatever, but I don't know. I think they're doing too much. Yeah, exactly. If you guys um, know any good snowboarding games that are out right now, uh, leave them in the comments because I would like to play them. Yeah, true. Um, I was, we'll get that in a second i had to check our show notes from last week to see if we talked about something and we did not um okay anyway so also at the game awards uh sega announced that they are revitalizing some franchises and it looks like they aren't just remasters it looks like they're like actually remaking games and like making them new so um they are bringing back Jet Grind Radio or Jet Set Radio, whichever you prefer to call it. Um, I am in the camp that calls it Jet Grind Radio because I really only played the first one when it came out, and that's just what it was called um, <laughs> all the way <laughs> from the time it was announced forward. So bringing back Jet Set Radio, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, which they did one a few years ago, and I'm not surprised that they're doing another one. Uh, Shinobi and Crazy Taxi. They're all getting reboots. Um, this is part of, I think Sega called it like their Power Surge initiative. And they showed off a little bit of like, I'm not going to say gameplay, but like development gameplay um, as they announced them. And I'm really excited that these are coming back. I've been asking for to be able to play Jet Set Radio on my Switch for I don't know how many years now. So if that happens... I'll be really, really excited. I'm excited for Crazy Taxi too, just because I don't know. I always loved those games. I really, really want an arcade setup to put in the bar, but yeah, I've had. Wait, oh, <laughs> you know what? We own a Crazy Taxi. Oh yeah, you we never, just... you never picked that up from Phil. Yeah, I, need I to forgot make a, that you. I need that. to make a phone call. Um, <laughs> we have Crazy Taxi one, two, and three. Uh, we just have to go get it. Whoops. Three is not good. That just reminded me of that. 
<laughs> yeah, we've got uh we've got a crazy I taxi. I forgot about that. Wow. Huh. Anyway, um mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny how you forget you buy arcade games and then never pick them Just up. Just forget about a whole arcade cabinet. <laughs> That's cool. I'll go get it in the next few weeks. Um I need to move out the Max Tunes anyway. I was anyway. going to say we can that'll fill in that space. Uh anyway, Hmm. Yeah, Jet Grinder Radio. I hope it comes to the Switch. That's a great platform for it. I'll be very excited for that. Uh, the new Golden Axe thing, they showed it briefly, and it looks like a three-quarter top-down view, uh, three-quarter overhead view, rather, kind of like Gauntlet. So that could be neat. The new Shinobi looks really, really good. Uh, crazy Taxi looks like Crazy Taxi. Like I won't lie. I couldn't tell a difference in the graphics at all because <laughs> like know- Crazy Taxi always looks solid. It doesn't even need, it doesn't need a thing. And then with Streets of Rage, I, I mean, they're just going to build off the one that they built a few years ago, Streets of Rage 4, I'm assuming, which was really, really good and well-received. That's fine. Um, I own that game and still have not played it. So, so yeah. Um, and funny enough, so Sega also talked about earlier <laughs> in the year how they have some like I don't know what you would describe it as, but some massive game that they're pumping like a billion dollars into. And apparently this was not part of that thing. So they've yet to announce what that is. Um, it's just another Sonic game. It's just Shinmu. <laughs> um, if only, well, you know, Shinmu was the most expensive game ever created at the time of it its was, release. Yeah. So did you ever play Shinmu three? I did not. Um, I own the collector's edition (laughs) and as someone who is constantly opening games that should probably be kept unopened, I can't bring myself to open it. I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, was that game game pass? Was that game well received? Um, it was mixed. The Shenmue community liked it, but I mean, it was, I think the way it was, I think it was mediocre. Okay. Is the way I'd put it. I've never um, played Shinmu, so based on the reviews, I think there was just too much time between sequels. People lost, you know, the the Kingdom Hearts effect. Yeah, exactly. Like, what over ten years in between? And you're like, well, I don't know if I like this anymore. Actually, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. But I'm also really interested in these reboots because I want to play all of those games again because I don't like the Genesis, <laughs> but I like, I like those games. Um, so I, the golden ax thing like really looks cool to me and I don't know why. Um, so we're just doing some like brief bullet points from the game awards. I won't get into all that cause I'm sure you've all listened to something or watched it yourselves. Um, lots of cool games like indie stuff coming out that looks interesting, but hello games, the makers of No Man's Sky, uh, one of my favorite games, announced Light No Fire. And it is a massive open world where uh, the creator basically said that they've been working on it for the past five years in you know parallel with No Man's Sky. And they built a giant planet that's procedurally generated and it's multiplayer. And it's more of a fantasy setting than a sci-fi setting. So it's really, um, they showed off a little bit of it 
it looks really good. There's like, you can get mounts that are dragons and fly them around. You can get scale mountains and like the landscapes are like super vast from what they showed off. And to me, I think it might, uh, recapture a feeling that I've been chasing for a while since like the world of Warcraft beta where you logged in and you were like in this world that was so large that it's going to be like, this it's more of like a sense of exploration more than anything, regardless of how big it actually is, because that's why I love no man's sky. Even from the beginning, I think that part of the reason why no man's sky had so many problems is because Sony was in charge of their marketing and they changed a bunch of verbiage on top of, you know, people from hello games saying things that aligned with Sony's marketing that just weren't true. However, that said, uh, me and my friends that were really into it kind of understood from the beginning what that game was. And so we were not upset when it launched the exploration aspect of it is what really hooked us, uh, me in particular. And I, I love that game. And, you know, over the past five years, they've updated it countless times with massive updates and the game's insane now. So hopefully they take a lot of that and put it into this new game. And, uh, it looks like something that I would play forever. At this point, um, did you watch the trailer at all? Do you have any feelings on it? I did. Um, I I watched you play No Man's Sky, and you know, I think it's cool. I think it's a cool concept. Um, I don't know. I think I need games that have like a little bit more direction to them. Like I don't want to wander aimlessly, so I I probably won't play it. But that's fair. But like it's cool, and I, I think that you know having all the procedurally generated stuff was really awesome. But I I don't have that much interest in it. Um, I'm really excited for Jurassic Park Survival. Okay. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah, new Jurassic Park game. It's not a Lego game. Yeah. <laughs> that one looks. Well, really they cool. have those Jurassic World like park builder things. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that necessarily. I want to be like running from a dinosaur. You don't want to recreate the death pit? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just everything I did in Zoo Tycoon just with dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it'd be cool, but no, I want to, I want to run from a T-Rex. It's, uh, Ryan in the chat said he bought No Man's Sky on launch and it was just like Diablo 3. He swear he'd never <laughs> give them a dime again. See, I disagree. I I really liked it at launch. Like legitimately. It was exactly what I wanted. It was like a chill out game. Um, I think the Jurassic Park game looks cool. There was a couple other indie games where um, there was the one that was like music based for but it was like for deaf people. So it has like visual cues. Oh yeah. That was, that looked awesome. Um, there was that, a was a usual June. Um, Oh yeah. That looks super cool. And then they they talk like animal crossing characters. Yeah. (laughs) That game looked really cool. I really like the art. style. yeah, there were a bunch of games like that, that looked interesting. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think, I, I can't think of anything else. I'm sure we'll, you know, talk about it at another point as this stuff comes out. So let's see what else. Uh, and then 
Baldur's Gate 3 won Game of the Year, which, cool. <laughs> I don't really have <laughs> words. It's like, yeah, neat. I I get it. Um, I it's not for me. Yeah, same. But I I get why people like it. I I understand the appeal. I think I just it'll be one of those games. It'll be like kind of like Skyrim, where like I had zero interest in ever playing it really, and then one day I don't know, it came out on the Switch, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this. And I was like, wow, actually, I love this. This is great. It's probably going to be that same thing. Yeah, I think that Baldur's Gate 3 is like just too involved for me. There's too many options. It's too much. Well, but, everyone that I know has already put like 300 hours into it. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of time <laughs> to put into a game. <laughs> like, I want to play for like 40 hours max and then move yeah, on to the next one. I, I was talking to Molly about it because she's been playing it and like, she said the co-op's cool, but the problem is like what the chat's saying right now is that there's too many options. Like the the uh, dialogue trees are like too much and like it's just too many things that are too intricate and like and that sounds very unappealing to me. Sleep with a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> they added in some uh, jiggle physics recently that were not in the <laughs> patch notes. That's why it won Game of the Year. That's a real reason. Uh, specifically for the male anatomy in the game. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. You know, that's <laughs> uh, without saying any words, I could get us banned on Twitch. Hmm. Neat. But yeah, that was Game Awards. I thought overall it was pretty solid. Um, I just like seeing new stuff get announced. And like I said, I like seeing people get excited about games. So that was cool. Um, today... Speaking of shows, the ESA announced that E3 is officially dead, as if we didn't yeah, we know this already, I which, mean, like, who cares at this point? I mean... E3 is a shell of its former self anyway. I don't E3 know. fell apart when they opened it up to the public. Yeah. It should have remained a trade show for journalists <laughs> and, like, you know, industry people. And that's it. That way it's a trade show. Things get announced. And that would have saved E3. I know they were trying to recoup money, but I think too much pressure was put on devs and companies to have a presentable product for the general public that could purchase tickets when it would be better to have it only be industry people that understand that a game in an unfinished state is just that. And that they're still working on it. Um, but, I mean, comes to no surprise. And I have a feeling that while they're announcing it's dead now, in a few years, they're going to be like, E3 is back. And, like, do some, like, grandiose thing to try and have, like, you know, a comeback year. Well, I mean, and all the game, like, the major players in it are doing their own things anyway. Like, Nintendo has their, like, Nintendo Directs. Sony's doing their own thing. I mean, it's just don't really need E3 anymore. Yeah, I think I guess a lot for, of, from a general public perspective. Yeah, I think for announcements and things like that, for like the keynote speeches, I think that any company that wasn't doing it already, that COVID and the pandemic really proved that they could and people built infrastructure and show strategy around not being able to do in-person events, which just solidified the fact that they're not needed. Yeah. So 
Um, RIP E3. Does anybody really care? Maybe a handful of people. I mean, it's sad. <laughs> it's the end of an era, you know, because I feel like that's when we were kind of waiting for all the stuff. But now we have, like I said, we got the Nintendo Directs every six months and we've got everything else. We've got the Game Awards now. Yeah, I Jeff Keighley's really doing his part to try and, like, do something. And Summer Games Fest. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different places where tons and tons of games are getting announced now, so it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just wanted to bring that up since it's fresh news. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we didn't talk about that I thought we did, uh, but we didn't do a show last week, is the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer came out. Oh, yeah. It leaked, so Rockstar went ahead and just put it out the day that it leaked, which was only the day before that it was supposed to come out. Yeah. Um, Grand Theft Auto 6 is back in Vice City. It's set in essentially a fictional Florida, um, <laughs> which... You know, that might be your thing. Um, GTA home. Yeah, exactly. Like, do I really want to play a video game that's based around where I live? Mm. Especially when it's probably involving people that I know. Um, It looks wild. It looks like, you know, your standard fare, except there's a female protagonist now. And I can't tell if there's like co-op missions or not based on what they showed. Um, I'd be kind of surprised if there weren't. Yeah, it looks neat. I, you know. I'm sure I'll buy it and play it for an hour and then be like, okay, I did my killings. Um, I raised my wanted meter. I stole several cars. All I right. grand theft the auto. Um, <laughs> well, it doesn't even come out until 2025. So you got time. That's fine. Good. Perfect. Still um, can play some more GTA five online. Yeah. Oh, great. Need. Yeah. Let me get in there and do some RP exactly what we want it's like it's so dumb i just i'm amazed at how i mean it's it's been three consoles by now yeah yeah it did like, didn't it grand theft auto did a skyrim and they're just still like, uh, still making so much money off of it i didn't even think about it that way they did they oh totally god did. it's um and yeah. good, good on them, you know. Make I will that say, money. People love it. Vice City was the one I liked the most because it was '80s Florida, um, which to me was cool. My cat is like trying to scratch her face on the table behind us, the Kirby table. Um, so yeah, Grand Theft Auto trailer came out, released in 2025. We knew it was coming at some point, so we'll see how that goes. Let's see. So now we're going to jump into our market report section. Uh, This is the part of the show where we talk about what's been selling well at the shop and what, you know, our predictions are for things like that. And just kind of like some sales numbers. Um, So in the past week, the hot sellers are switch. So I think this is only hardware. These first three, um, which was Switch hardware, PS4 consoles, Wii consoles, Wii games, and then PS2 games. So I've been touching on this a lot, how the Wii is like getting hot and remaining hot. People are really falling off GameCube. Like people still ask for it, but like 
we could outpace GameCube like 10 to 1 with Wii sales. Well, I think, I don't know. I mean, people are still, they still want GameCube. It's just, it's harder to get and it's expensive. So they moved on to Wii because, you know, Mario Kart on the Wii is 30 bucks versus 80 on the GameCube. Um, plus, Wiis are still relatively cheap. But I don't know. You can get a lot of really cheap games for the Wii that are fun. And I feel like that's not quite the case with the GameCube. Yeah. I mean, not to say that there aren't cheap, fun games on the GameCube, but like the majority of what people want is those games are going to be at least $50. You know? Meanwhile, on the Wii, Smash Bros., it's 20 bucks. And, you know, I know it's everybody's least favorite Smash, but still only 20 bucks. Mario Kart's. 30, well, 35, all the Mario to, games are like 20 bucks. When it comes to Brawl, people really like the single player. Yeah, it's a good um, story. Yeah, and I think that that'll pick up as time goes on. It's just one of those things where it was inevitably going to happen where the popularity is coming back, but we also see a lot of casual people yeah. that aren't just collectors. They want to play Wii Sports again. God, they want to play Wii Sports. Um, I think that motion controls died off for just long enough to start coming back. And speaking of which, this is adjacent I saw today, or I guess yesterday, first off, that Epic is trying to find a way to incorporate rock band instruments functionality, rock band instrument functionality into the Fortnite concert thing. Um, And then today, PDP tweeted out that they have new guitar controllers, more or less. They did a teaser coming in January of 2024. So we're finally going to see a resurgence of plastic instruments because demand has been up insanely over the past few years. And uh, I'll be honest, it's good to see a third party getting into it because I'm tired of like telling people we don't have guitars. Or, God, I hope they make something that works for the PS3. Because... <laughs> Y'all all lost your dongles. Well, I, I, you know, the problem is, though, is that like half the dongles don't even work. If you have it, it's only it's kind of 50 50 if it's going to work or not. So it, I've got just bins of PS3 guitars that are just useless because like, what am I going to do with them? Yeah, I'm surprised somebody hasn't emulated the RF signal. I mean, we could, maybe I'll do some experimentation. <laughs> <laughs> with like an SDR. I mean, if PDP does it, we don't have to. True. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But yeah, I think overall people like they fell out of the motion control stuff for a little bit, even though the Wii did it, you know, impeccably well, even from launch. Um, it was for lack of a better term, game changing at the time. Um, and I think that people really want to get back to that because they're like, man, that was, the last time I had actual fun where I didn't have to sit in front of a console with a normal controller for 60 hours and play some long narrative thing when really I want to do all I want to do is play Wii Bowling. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Remember the first time I played Wii Tennis, like I was like 16 at a party and I was like, wow, <laughs> my mind was blown. I was like, this is amazing. I have to get one of these. And I asked my mom for one for Christmas. Yeah, they were hard to get too for a year or two. Um, we got ours. We went to the midnight launch at Walmart in Destin and they converted the, uh, 
they shuffled us all into the garden center and gave us donuts and coffee and like made an event out of it, out of it and let us sit in like the, uh, outdoor furniture that was in there. It was super cool. And we got a, Wii, we got a twilight princess, excite truck. And then obviously we sports. Um, and I remember hooking that thing up for the first time. And it was like, this is, this is a different level of like motion control that actually works yeah. and it works well. So, well, cause you know, Sony tried to do it with the PS3 and like stupid six axis controller. It just didn't really, I mean, you know, there's, there's some games with the move controllers, but I, I don't feel like it really. Oh yeah. The move controllers came later. So first they tried to do it with the, the PS3 controller. That's why you have six axis versus dual shock three. And, um, it's, it, there was that game, the dragon flight game. I think it was layer where it yeah. worked pretty well, but then like, it was like just trash and everything else. Um, but the, we really did it correctly to be honest. And so, like I said, I think people want to get back to the times where they were just having fun playing the games, which is good. Well, it's funny because so many people talk so much trash about the Wii, but man, it right now it's like the best selling console we have like that and PS2. I think that it's, if I had more PS2s, I would, I don't know. PS2 has kind of been the top seller since we've opened though. Yeah, we've also seen, it hasn't been in the top sales numbers, but we've seen a spike in interest in Xbox One consoles. Um, and I think it's mainly people looking for the first system for their kids. I think I talked about that last week, maybe the week before, but it's really happening where people are like, all right, my older kid has an Xbox Series console, and then my younger kid wants to play Xbox games too, but... You know, I don't want to buy them a $500 console. So they go for an Xbox One, get them Game Pass, and they're, like, good to go for a while. So see that happening a lot. Um, also, you know, Christmas shopping's in full swing. Like, people are buying gifts. Uh, Christmas is only, you know, 12 days away or whatever. God, they want Game Boys so bad. <laughs> I know, I got to... Game Boy would be our top seller right now if we if we had the stock, but we have probably legitimately two to three hundred Game Boy consoles in our garage <laughs> that I need to work on. Um, which we'll probably be doing a lot of that tomorrow. Yeah. Or I guess today, rather. I brought home a whole bin of GameCubes to fix lasers in. So. Yeah. Um the other thing that sells well around this time is N64 and NES. So every Christmas we can't keep N64s in stock. It doesn't matter how many we have. Um, and then NES people want to get them for anybody that's like my age because that's the nostalgic console and they just want one game. They want Mario Duck Hunt or they want Punch-Out or they want Contra. And then <laughs> sometimes they'll want Tech Mobile. Um, they'll buy that. And then they're set. Yeah. Which, you know, that's cool too. They so. really want the classic <clears throat> consoles too. Just because those are, you know, they're so easy. You don't have to buy games. They're all preloaded. Like the preloaded classic consoles? Yes. Okay. Yes. Like the NES Classic and the Super yeah. Nintendo. Also 2600s. Oh, yeah. Like just your standard Here. 2600. Like a copy of Combat. Like a lot of people want that all the time. Every single holiday season. 
Um, it never fails. Um, it's kind of been over the past like year thing though. Is like twenty six hundreds like the consoles. I used to never be able to move those. Like I would get a twenty six hundred in and it would sit on the shelf for like six months. And now like every time I get one, it's gone. Yeah, that's true. Really weird. Um, I need to mess with that twenty six hundred plus that we got a little bit more. I plugged it in just to see if it worked and it did. So um, I know it's kind of a quick market report, but you know, for the next month, it's going to be pretty much the same, more or less, um, switch hardware selling, you know, it's current gen, you know, about to be previous gen, but people want them for their kids, especially Which is great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's my favorite console. Yeah, it's up there. I like the idea of the Switch a lot. I don't play any of them a lot, but like I like collecting for the Switch the most because the games are compact. There's a good selection, um, lots of good re-releases, but also indie stuff that gets released because it's relatively cheap to produce games for it. So Switch is really solid. Um, so that pretty much wraps up the market report, and we're going to head into Q&A. This is the interesting portion of the week. Um, so every week I post on social media and take questions from our comment section on YouTube, uh, just random things, whether it be about the shop, the convention, the bar, just, you know, gaming in general, or just life. Um, (laughs) we're just here to talk about crap. (laughs) Um, so, uh, this one over on blue sky comes from Wyatt of Wyatt's wicked goods. If you're looking for cookies this holiday season. Put in your order at whyitswickedgoods.com, uh, the official cookie of the Rad Junk podcast <laughs> and also extra napkins. This is not a sponsored. This is not a sponsored ad, but why it's a great person. Um, <clears throat> Wyatt asks a couple questions, so we'll break this down. What's the hardest thing for you to move at the store? Anything you may have picked up or taken in a tray that you thought you'd be able to move fairly easily but just couldn't for some reason. As a general game gear, nobody buys game gear games because nobody has a working game gear. Yeah. But did you think it would be easy to move game gear? I'm, I'm going on a separate one. Oh, okay. Got it. As as just like a general, like what's hard to move in the store as a category, I would say game, game gear games, stuff that we got in that I thought would move fairly easily. Um, Jack Rose, I thought would move a lot better than, you know, yeah. it has. I thought there'd be a lot more interest in it, but it's, it's still there. Yeah. I will touch on that in a second. I think the hard thing to move at the shop is always Genesis. Um, I don't know why I, we've talked about it a lot on this show where there are a lot of people out there that say they are Genesis collectors, but they're not really looking to collect or they want to collect, but they don't want to spend the money. Um, as far as things that I thought would be fast mover, Jack bros is one because it's rare. A lot of people go for the virtual boy set in comparison to other sets that have like that one Holy grail piece in the set. Jack Bros is relatively affordable, um, especially for a complete in box game. Um, there's been a few other things where it's like minor stuff where I'll take in like some games that are hot at the time. I'm like, oh, these will sell quick. 
and they don't, but the things that came in with them did. I don't know. It's just real weird. Um, <clears throat> Ryan in the chat says the Pokemon box is going to stay for a long time too. So the interesting thing about that, I have a feeling that that Pokemon box is going to sell in January. It'll sell before Jack Rose does. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. It's uh, when it comes to a high ticket item like that, that's from a popular franchise, especially Pokemon. Anytime we've had something that's, you know, over $500 and Pokemon related, it goes typically either around Christmas time or just after Christmas time, after people have gotten Christmas money. Yeah. And so, uh, I have a feeling Jack or a uh, Pokemon box will go not like fast, but it'll go in a soon. reasonable time. Frame. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I kind of expected to have that for four months after we did that trade. And I think it'll go within that time frame. If it doesn't, then we'll trade it away for something. It's so when we get pieces like that, especially the high end stuff, we do it to appeal to our high end collectors, but also we do it in a way that is inconsequential to the rest of our stuff. So I see a lot of instances where people will trade away the majority of their things not just like good stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. We traded a lot of good shop stock for Pokemon box. However, I see people that will trade bulk amounts of their inventory towards a high end piece. And then they just rest on the laurels of that high end piece, either waiting for a big sale or wanting to flex. And well, yeah, it's cool to have a flex piece in the shop or like something for people to look at and talk about. It's, uh, it's not going to, affect the day-to-day sales you know does that make sense sure mario's pay your rent pokemon boxes i mean you know it will eventually maybe but yeah johnny in the chat says trade bait let's go i agree with that yeah i mean that's the other thing is like you're you're trying to one of the cool things when you have stuff like that is you want people to trade towards it yeah and you want them to trade well i mean some of our best customers, they know that if they bring in like a box of N64 like heat and like first party titles, we will give them very, very good trade values towards a more rare piece that they're after. Bring me a box of Pokemons. Um, yeah, give me, give me a box of that. Pokemons in exchange for our Pokemon box. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that that's some stuff like that. I feel like there was like something else in particular where I bought... Oh, you know what one was that's a weird one that's not even like a video game per se? They re-released Tamagotchis and we had a line on the re-release directly from the manufacturer. Oh, yeah. And so I bought like a couple hundred dollars worth of them. Those did not sell. They didn't. But then, you know, once we, of course, as soon as we finally like sold the last one after, I don't know how many, for many months, people were like, you should really carry Tamagotchis. And I'm like, get the, get out. Yeah, I don't know if we were ahead of the curve or if people were just like, I don't know, it was weird. I thought even still sell. now, they're like, you, you should carry those. Because that was around the no. same time I bought uh, a bunch of new old stock Fireball yo-yos. Those actually those did sell quick. really quickly. And so I was like, oh, well, something from that era is like a Tamagotchi. Like, that'll do well. Yeah, you would think. No. Um, Another thing that I was kind of looking for 
which I could not find at a price that I could actually resell for any amount of money. I was looking for new old stock hit clips because I thought that would be hilarious to put in the store. Uh, but I have a secret about those that we'll talk about later. Okay. Yeah, I figured something out about those. And uh, hit clips coming to Rad Junk soon. Custom oh. hit clips. Oh, all right. No, legitimately. Custom hit clips? There's just, a whole scene. If you go to Etsy, people are making custom hit clips. It's just clips of this podcast that you can buy. <gasps> can somebody please make us a custom Rad Junk hit clips? Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, stuff like that. It's usually the smaller stuff that's like surprising that it doesn't sell. Um, especially around Christmas time where like attachment sales are good. Yeah. I don't know. We've got um right now we've got some gachapon capsules oh, yeah, that are really cool and some like little us. Kirby like uh miniature sets and then some Pokemon Kirby kitchen. um model sets. That are really cool. So those are things that sell really well, especially at Christmas. Great stocking stuffers. Yeah. Plushies. We got some Mario Pez. We do have some Mario Pez. <laughs> um, Wyatt asked an additional question, and I'm going to let Sam answer this, but I have an answer for this of like the worst one. Is there anything that you have bought that Sam has just said, oh, hell no. room like I can think of one very specific one that monetarily should have been a great purchase and it probably would have been at some point but we just do not have the market for it at all I mean there's just so many things I'm like why are you buying this I want to know your Ryan funny one. enough uh, Molly did take payment for something in a uh, Kirby toy All right, what is it? What? What? Oh, uh, the thing that I bought that Sam was like, oh, hell no. I bought a literal, a guy pulls up to the shop and he's like, hey, I have a bunch of stuff in my trunk. You want to come look at it? And he said they were old computer games. Oh, God. And they were all CIB Amiga games. And I mean, they were freaking rad. And it was probably like a couple grand. Worth of Amiga games. If you can find a guy to buy, but Amiga I think I game. paid like two or three hundred dollars for it, and it was one of those things where the market just isn't there for it. The kind of guys who want to pay, yeah. who want to buy Amiga games, don't want to pay four hundred dollars for an Amiga if you can even find one. Um, that's true. I'm pretty sure we still. This was like. I was like, like six years ago, five or six years ago. Yeah, we're still sitting on those games. So, uh, so we sold a few. We sold, we sold a few. We traded some away at Retro Palooza as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, Amiga games. Um, I'm still allowed to buy Atari and Commodore computer stuff, which is cool. Are you? There is something else, though. Are you? Oh, Jokey, he always buys stuff under the guise that he's gonna flip it. And he doesn't. I actually bought something one time that even I regretted. So a guy came in. Um, he was uh, a person. 
and he had a bunch. This was when Xbox One controllers were selling oh, really well. No. Yeah, and he had a bag of them. Oh, and I forgot about they this. weren't broken or anything. Like they were good controllers, several different colors. I think it was like six or eight controllers. Yeah, and they smelled like and i pee. thought so like when i opened the bag i thought maybe the bag smelled like this because it was like a canvas bag but the controllers themselves had such a stench that uh i tried our normal methods which is like a sealed container with dryer sheets and like all kinds of stuff i think we ended up just throwing them away piss controllers yeah dude they were disgusting yeah i forgot um, about that that's one that i even regretted because i think i paid like $30 for all of them. And we were selling those controllers for like 40 a piece at the time. It was a few years ago. And like, I was pretty upset about that one. Jill bought a brand new pack of Mario underwear from someone at trade night. <laughs> I was like, what the, why the hell did you Yeah, buy they're this? like kids underwear. <laughs> I don't know. She had all kinds of cool stuff. Casey, if you're listening, I appreciate the underwear. Um, what am I going to do with a pack of Mario underwear? Give them to our kid. In like five years, they're just going to sit in the junk for five years. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so good questions, Wyatt. Um, uh, can't wait to order some more cookies. Cause the next I, episode of this podcast is Joe and Sam marriage counseling. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a question from Clint and this is a follow-up question to one that he asked a while back. Is there no moral dilemma performing the retrobrite process, disclosing that information in a sale, second sale, third sale, and now it's not even known the process was performed, similar to swapping the back of an NES card? Um, I think if... I don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as you don't peroxide it too heavily to where it's like pristine white. If you can just do it lightly enough to get that gray back and like whatever, I think that's fine. Um, because once you take it past a certain point, that plastic does get brittle and I can kind of like, I've held so many super Nintendo consoles. I feel like I can feel if one's been retro brighted, especially if it's been done too heavily. Remember that one that we got on eBay that like, they packed it pretty well, like well enough that this shouldn't have happened. That one wasn't retrobrighted. It wasn't retrobrighted, but like it, it was so brittle that like we opened up the box and it was just in pieces. Like it was horrible. Yeah, it it um, worked. I put it into a different. Yeah, shell. No, it worked. We we just shell swapped it. It was fine. But I don't know. Do you think there's a moral dilemma in there? I don't think so. I mean. I don't think so either. Um, eh. I feel the same way about NES carts where it's like, as long as the back is the same color. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as long as it's the same, cause you know, there's a couple of little variations in like the text on the back. As long as it's that the same one, then eh, I, yeah. don't, I don't see a problem with it. Honestly. Um, now if somebody were to retro a console and put it into a box and wrap it up in a poly bag, and say this has never been touched and the cereals don't match. Well, no, then that's, and they're selling it as like a mint in box, like whatever. Um, well, that's a moral dilemma, but that's just cause you're scum and a liar, but yeah, exactly. The retro writing isn't the problem here. Yeah. Which... Video game karma is real. Um, so yeah, good question. Yeah. Uh, the next one comes from, 
<laughs> Greg, uh, this shows the quality of my friends. Um, how much longer can you do this? <laughs> you need a long vacation. You need a long vacation again. Could you sell everything tomorrow and be happy with not owning a physical copy of any game again? So I think he was making a joke to lead into that particular mm-hmm. question. Um, how much longer can I do this? I'll have video games until I die. Mm, I just, tired. it's part of my <laughs> life at this point. Um, as far as like owning a physical game ever again, while I say that everything has a number, there's certain games that I don't think I could part with. Like I talked about it in a recent YouTube video where I was going over my top five nostalgic NES games. Those are games from like childhood. And I think I'll always own a physical copy of them. Um, I think I could pair this collection down pretty far. Honestly. Oh yeah. Me there's, too. There's a lot of stuff that I would keep like, Oh, you know, all my donkey Kong stuff. Um, there's a lot of super Nintendo games that I, I wouldn't get rid of. And I don't know, probably a lot of switch stuff, but yeah. Beyond that, I, I could I could get rid of a lot of stuff and be okay. There's a lot of random things where it's something that I'll bring home because I don't think it'll sell. But it's it won't sell because it's so oddball. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to put this in the store and then someone buy it and hate it when it's something that I don't see very often. Yeah, well, it's kind of the problem, though, is like it's so often that we're like, oh, that's weird. I've never seen that before. And then, you know, we take home stuff and take home stuff. Yeah. And then we end up with a garage that we can't even walk in because it's just so full of stuff. Well, there is a pinball machine in there right now. It's yeah. But um, but I think as far as like getting rid of it all. I tell the girls that if they ever see me list all my TurboGrafx stuff for sale, then well, something's wrong. That's a problem. Um, but there's a lot of that I could get in here, get rid of in here and not lose any sleep over. Yeah. I'm like looking at the set of like young adults, like Zelda books, (laughs) like mega books. And like, I think they're really cool, but I wouldn't be sad if they were gone. Like, do I need a Senran Kagura PS4 collector's edition with busty buddies? No, (laughs) probably not. Um, (laughs) And then as far as like how long can we do this? I'm gonna do this forever until I can't anymore. You know what I mean? Like that's it's like saying when are you gonna retire? I mean, I don't know. We've got a lot of stuff that we still want to do. So um I need a vacation. Vacation would be nice. Like an actual vacation. Um, every vacation we have taken, except for last year when we went to Las Vegas, is generally uh loosely adjacent to work. If we went to the pinball expo instead of going to Vegas because we couldn't we couldn't afford to go to Vegas, but it just felt like kind of kind of like work. Like it was fun because we love pinball, but I was like also, you know, thinking about testing out games because maybe I'll want to get them for the bar. And I'm like, I don't need to be thinking about this right now. I'm on vacation. Yeah. Do we want to buy Labyrinth right now while they have three available still? Yeah. <laughs> Which we should have. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're not slowing down anytime soon, though. No. Um, We're in it for the long You know, I might just disappear for two weeks. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I might go to the mountains, take my camera. (laughs) I want to go shoot some photos. Um, Good questions, Greg. Next one comes from Dylan, uh, previously of Rad Junk Super Sunday Show fame. 
Now he's just deceased. Dylan asks, do re-releases, remasters, remakes, or collections hurt the retro video game scene, whether it's value of older titles or desirability, or do you think it's a positive that more people get to experience games that have been lost to time? I think of Crusader Sinti on the Switch Online Genesis Collection. What do you think, Sam? I think it's good for the retro game scene. Um, you know, I the scene as people, you know, having interests, maybe the people who sell games, not so much, but I don't know. I think it's cool that like, I, I use Mario RPG as an example. Like I personally don't love that game. And I'm sorry if I, am I going to get canceled for that? Maybe, but you know, people love that game so much and it's always been a little bit expensive and kind of hard to get. And now it's just out there and anybody can play it now, which I think is pretty cool i don't know yeah i think we've seen it go both ways um as far as it hurting the price of certain games uh there was one i had in mind when i first read this question earlier and now i can't think of it but uh for the most part we've actually seen it have both a positive impact on you know popularity and also price from a market standpoint Earthbound's a good example. It's on the SNES Classic. Yeah. That game jumped up an additional $200 since that thing's release. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more people that are able to play it now than there were before. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. I like when people get excited about games. I, I want this market to thrive, obviously, you know, monetarily and whatever, because I own a business and it's how I put dinner on the table and buy diapers for my kid. However, um, I think that there is a point where I would rather somebody be very excited about buying a $10 game than somebody begrudgingly having to pay a thousand dollars for a game that they just want to play. Sure. And so having that accessibility and that option, I think is very good. And then if you're a collector and you want to put that physical thing on your shelf, then you have the option to go buy it. Well, and it's interesting with the remakes because it, it's kind of a coin toss of like what's going to happen with the price of that game. Right. So they announce a remake of whatever. And from the time of announcement until the time that said remake comes out, the price of the original game will go up. Every time, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about, you know, Final Fantasy VII, and then I'm going to play the original. And, you know, they'll they'll buy it up, buy it up, buy it up. And then when the remake comes out, it kind of depends on how, how the reception of said remake is. So, like, if the remake sucks, then the original will remain high in price. But if it's great and people like it, it'll end up, just plummeting that game. Like Mario sunshine is a good example of that. Like, oh yeah. That's, I think that's what I was thinking of the all stars collection. Yeah. So, you know, that game was, I don't know. It used to be, I don't think that game ever got like super high, but it, I think it was like 60, 70 bucks. And then the all stars collection came out and it went back down to about like 30, 40. And it's kind of stayed at that ever since. Yeah. So that's I, true. That's a good example. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Sega Steve in the Twitch chat. 
Um, he's one of the coolest, most knowledgeable Sega collectors I've ever met. And he said, uh, for those listening, you know, live that are catching us for the first time, this is where we record our podcasts that we upload to Spotify and Apple podcasts and YouTube. Um, so sometimes it's like the times are off the wall. That's why we don't promote the Twitch stream as much. And it's mainly for like listening to after the fact, but we do appreciate all of you that join us live to catch these like 2 a.m. like really tired like <laughs> rambles about pricing and the market. Um, but I agree with Sam and it's like Cinti in particular was an interesting one because I feel like that's a game that while people get excited for it, it is very niche because it's, you know, a later release Sega game and it's, it's not one that a lot of people know what it is. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I don't think the value of that one was hurt by the release on the Genesis online. I do think it made it more accessible. So the people that wanted to play it could, but I think the collectors out there that wanted to buy it for that physical copy still bought it. Yeah. Cause I mean, it did, it did pop for a little bit. It was at like, like 2500 $2, now i mean it's still a complete in box copy still goes for like fifteen hundred dollars i mean it's still you know it didn't kill the price of those like it's definitely still expensive i think i think the increase in price of that was also just a lot of that like covid you know video game like hype pricing yeah for and sure it you know everything's kind of starting to come down a little bit now and i i think that that's kind of what happened to Senti. I, I don't think the online thing really hurt it too much. But I also think that with remakes and remasters and new releases of these collections, I think that um, it's one of those things where a lot of these games that are being re-released or that finally get some accessibility in the modern age already have a fandom that is willing to collect them and they're going to buy anything that comes out regarding that game series at all or that like family of things. That's so true. like if you put out the Mario all-star collection, those people that are going to buy that collection, well, that's actually a bad example. Anybody that bought the NES classic just or SNES classic just for earthbound is probably willing to buy an earthbound cart too. Yeah. So I don't think it affects it as much as you would think, but it's uh, it definitely plays a role. And it's interesting to see which games go up after a re-release and which games go down. And typically the ones that go down are the like popular titles, like the Mario titles, the things that had a million copies. Yeah. And the ones that go up are the more rare titles that are like legitimately more rare and harder to come by because then their popularity increases, but there's no supply. Yeah. I would agree. Um, so the last question in the Q and a tonight comes from Dan from black eyed blonde. Uh, he says, talk about your podcast slash video cast setup and editing process. Also the booming retro handheld market. So, uh, our podcast setup, we're running a roadcaster pro two. We're running Shure MV seven microphones all funneled through my MacBook right now. Um, we do the live cast through riverside.fm and then record internally to the roadcaster SD card. And then the video portion is a, Nikon Z8 um, with a Sigma 12 or I think 12 to 24, 14 to 24, 2.8 lens. 
um, with the HDMI pumped out to a capture card and yeah, and some studio lights in our game room. It's nothing like super crazy. It's we've been live streaming for a long time at this point and we used to have to come up with these like really hacky things to make certain things work. Say this is the fanciest setup we've ever had. And finally we were like, you know, we got a real podcast now. I, uh, I sold a domain name and I was like, you know what? I'm buying some like good equipment. That way we can just plug and play and go. Um, but to get to your question about the handheld market. So I think that Dan's specifically referring to, um, all of the handheld emulators and devices that come have been coming out over the past couple of years, like the things from Ambernick and Pal Kitty and uh, the Odins and things like that. And I am a sucker for anything handheld, especially if it's sub a hundred dollars. God, we have so many, you know, back, back to the question of things where I'm like, stop buying this. Yeah, it's um we have so many. So the pace at which these handhelds have progressed has exponentially increased over the past like three years. It's insane. So like I've always bought these like little handhelds. Uh, I've got like a small one behind me somewhere. It's like an RG thirty five, whatever, first gen thing. The tiny one. Yeah. Um and it was good. It's like, oh, cool. I can play Super Nintendo games and I can do whatever. And now I've got handhelds that I spent like $60 on that play PS1 games flawlessly and like some Dreamcast games. Crazy. <laughs> like, it's nuts. They have come a really long way. And so when a new one comes out, if it's in that price range, like I'm not saying that $100 isn't a lot of money, but sometimes, you know, you've got that spare money where you're like, I'm going to check this thing out and you buy it. And then you're like, holy crap. I can play a whole different generation of games for not a lot of money. But the funny Mm -hmm. part is, is like you keep getting these handhelds and you keep loading the same ROMs onto them and you end up playing the same games that you're playing anyway. Um, Ain or Ayn released a new one the other day. It's the uh, Odin Pro 2. And that thing apparently plays Switch games flawlessly. And it's like 200 bucks. And I'm like, really, like, obviously not right now, but maybe after the holidays, that might be one that I look into because the first Odin's amazing. Um, I think the Steam Deck is also one that's just like, if you mod it for retro games, it's oh, yeah. perfect. Well, I mean, it's the Steam computer. Deck is is powerful enough to run any of that stuff well. Yeah. Um, Analog Pocket helped a lot with that too. Yeah. I mean, it's FPGA, so it does the emulation as close to perfect as you can get. Um, funny enough, I'm looking at my Mr. Setup right over there that I just need to put together and hook up to something. We've been trying to like yeah. rearrange our game room like five times now. It's a mess in here. There's no way to hook up our <laughs> consoles at the moment, but we'll get there. I think, uh, when it comes to these retro handhelds, I think the best thing to do this is, I don't know why that this question led me to this like bit of advice. There's a lot of like super janky ones out there. Um, I like to do something every once in a while where I take like a small allocation of money and I order a bunch of stuff from like Timu or AliExpress. And if it works out well, then I'm like, okay, that's something we can utilize for other projects. And if we need to order more of, we can. And a lot of the stuff I've ordered in regards to the retro handholds from there, they've been, 
relatively janky. Um, we got one really good one of Pow Kitty, like really crappy build quality as far as the plastics go, but like it is powerful enough to play games. I mean, Joey likes to play Pac-Mania on it. Yeah, so. it plays Pac-Mania on the Sega <laughs> Genesis. Fantastic. Um, Remember when we got that one from, I don't know, I think we got it from AliExpress or something, and it was like a, it looked like a trash can. So when we were doing the live show on Sundays, uh, I went on a spree of I'd buy a different whatever was advertised as like the featured game console of the week on these like import sites. You know, they're trash level. They're like a hundred bucks. I ordered one that if you've ever seen the old Mac Pro, uh, the mid generation ones that came out probably like 10 years ago now, maybe 15 years ago, they looked like trash cans. It's just like a cylinder. Um, I ordered one of those and it runs some weird version of Android with a front end on it where it just like actively downloads ISO images from it a was, Chinese website. It was really sketchy. And I was like, we're being spied on since we bought this. I don't know. Yeah, that one was good. I think it was advertised as like a PS4, you know, at the time. Yeah. Um, I think it even ran that well. Like it was pretty... Yeah, that's when we saw like the first rough. influx of um, Android-based emulators. It was around the same time as the Ouya. Yeah, because that and was so, what, like five, six years ago. Yeah, something like that. Um, and so, but the handhelds now are insane. There's some that are like fifty dollars that can play up to PS One and GameCube, and they do it relatively well. And so, um, at some point, I was talking to my buddy Nick and Wyatt. And we're, I need to take a picture of like all my handhelds, like on one surface because I just keep finding them. Like I see a box on the floor over there. that's like a GPD win or something. And like there's an Odin over there and like my Steam Deck's in my room. I think there's a couple in my truck. They're, they're everywhere. I love them. Yeah, you have a problem. I don't have a problem. <laughs> I have a collection. Collection. I'm a collectionist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, only the finest handhelds for the collectionist. But yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for the Q and a um, pretty much wraps up the show tonight. I know it's a little bit off kilter and we're tired. Um, but if you ever have any questions, Q and a wise, drop them in the comments. Um, let us know what you want more of. I posted a new video the other night that I made on a whim of just like a top five NES games um, for my childhood. That's on our YouTube channel page it's uh, youtube.com slash rad junk if you could give that a look um tell me if you like that format if you want to see more produced content of that nature but we're gonna come back to doing the podcast weekly um i haven't decided on what day of the week yet it may just be whatever day we we can um our yeah. kid doesn't like to go to bed <laughs> at a reasonable hour ever you know, if he if he gets a thirty minute nap, he's not going to bed until like midnight. So yeah, so that's the it's, challenge. It's kind of sporadic. It's it's really hard to to plan a set day just because our our kid just he will not be tamed or be yeah, on a schedule. With uh, this new setup, <laughs> what we may do is start recording on Saturdays from the shop uh, after we close. We'll just take like an hour and a half and do that. Um, that way, we can have Molly on as well. So. Yeah, he's a normal kid. He's very he's actually very normal. He just curses and, you know, reads and he's two. 
He's just really smart and really stubborn. <laughs> That's a trait of most smart people. Yeah. Um, I don't suffer from that. So no, not you. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you guys want to see. Uh, if you have any questions for the podcast, drop them below. Um, as always, you can catch us after the fact. If you're not li- watching live at twitch.tv slash rad you can catch us on Apple podcasts, Spotify podcasts, or youtube.com slash rad junk and uh, shop at the store, drink at the bar, or if you don't drink, play some games, drink a Jones Um, get ready for really rad weekend, 2024. Also Say get g- ready for emo new year's Eve. Oh, I forgot about emo new year's bar. Eve. Um, if you don't have any new year's Eve plans or if you do, Cancel them and come to Rad Bar on New Year's Eve in your best emo attire and listen to some emo music. Also, thank you, Sega Steve, for one of the best cutting boards I've ever owned, <laughs> if not the best. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we'll catch you later. Good night, Twitch chat. Ryan, night, Twitch. you're the real MVP. You've been here for every single live show. You're the best around. <laughs> I don't know if the ham horn just went off in the chat. Um, all right. Good night, Later, everybody. Stay rad. I'm going to try and turn this thing off if I can. I got to find the button. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hey, what are you doing? That might be loud for people. I can't turn it off. All right, for real. Bye.